Dreaming of Sunshine by Silver Queen Chapter 98 Cause you can't jump track, we're like cars on a cable And life's like an hourglass glued to the table No one can find the rewind button, girl So cradle your head in your hands and breathe Just breathe Anna Nalik, breathe, 2am I propose a race, Gai-sensei boomed as we passed the outer Konoha outposts. The first one to return to the village is the victor. Lee cheered, bouncing with restrained energy. We'd been rushing back to Konoha, but even the harsh pace didn't really seem to affect him any. I doubted it even registered as harsh. Gai-sensei, he said eagerly, since you are already carrying Shikako-san, should we make it a piggyback race? He spun to look at Ten-Ten. No, she said. No, Lee, I'm not going to. He bounced closer, grabbing her hands and holding them up. Ten-ten, he besieged. It is training. We must work together as teammates. The capital letters dropped like stones, emphasis and earnestness. And I decided if I had to be carried back to Konoha when I was perfectly capable of walking. Come on, ten-ten, I wheedled from Gai-sensei's back. It'll be fun. You don't know what you're saying, she said, but it was too late. Lee had taken the faint hint of weakness as a total capitulation. I dropped my chin down on Gai-sensei's shoulder. It's not much of a race with only two people, I mused casually. Does no one else think they have a chance? The air sizzled. There were words that should probably never be said in a group of teenage boys. Especially not in a group of teenage boys that had just spent a week proving they were the baddest things around. No, really. That was probably up there with, I double dog dare you. That I held in reserve, just in case no one took the bait. Kiba smirked. Oh, it's like that, is it? He said. Hinata, we gotta stand up for our team. I know what you're doing, Sasuke said flatly. He crossed his arms and scowled at me. I widened my eyes innocently. Dare you, I sing-songed in my head. He twitched. He was weakening. Then Ino barreled into his back. I know you can do it, Sasuke-kun, she cheered. Entire countenance showing nothing but delight at roping him into this. Sasuke staggered forwards, feet shuffling quickly to avoid landing on his face from the unexpected attack. Then he appeared to decide that if he were moving in this direction anyway... No one said start, Kiba hollered, chasing after him. Lee was a blur of green vanishing after them both. Gai-sensei zipped forward, probably nowhere near as fast as he could go, but more than fast enough to catch up with the running Chunin. I clung tightly to his shoulders and laughed into the wind. He led them on a merry chase towards the gates, just close enough to feel like they could catch up if only they tried. Then he slammed to a complete halt on a dime, finishing right before the gate desk and slapped his hands down on it. First, he roared. Lee performed a similar feat only seconds later, a semi-frazzled Tenten half-strangling him as she held on. Sasuke was maybe a step or two behind him, and Kiba trailing only a little bit further than that. Ah, Izumo said, managing to look only a little taken back by the display. He didn't even ask why they were racing, probably presuming that the answers were Guy and Lee. You're back early. I was not fast enough, Lee said, head held low. I must train harder. I will sprint to the road, marking ten times before the rest arrive. Ten-Ten's eyes had time to widen fractionally. Put me down first, she shouted. I muffled my laughter until she was out of earshot. ID card, Izumo asked. I leant forward over Gai-sensei's shoulder and dropped into his waiting hands. Hmm, Izumo said. I'm not sure this is valid. It says here that you're a Chunin, but I can see that Chunin vest with my own eyes. He was clearly teasing. I beamed at him. Welcome aboard, Greenie, he said, passing it back and grabbing the rest from the others. You can call me Izumo-senpai, and I'll make you do all the running around, okay? Izumo-senpai, I agreed watching as he also proceeded to hassle Sasuke, who returned the favor without missing a beat. The rest of the group was arriving, having traveled at a more comfortable pace. I glanced over them surreptitiously, but couldn't see Kakashi-sensei. I knew he was here somewhere. He had to be. 
but I had a really hard time actually finding him on the trip. It was kind of impressive to be avoiding someone so well in such limited space, but also kinda really annoying. And if I wanted to talk to him, now was going to be the last chance, because once we were in Konoha, there would be so many more places for him to hide. Time to bring out the big guns, I decided. Gai-sensei, I asked as politely as I could, because he didn't have to say yes. Even if he didn't agree to help for me, maybe he would agree to help because sensei clearly needed help with feelings. Can we go and talk to Kakashi-sensei? Gai-sensei sparkled. I was on his back, so technically I shouldn't have been able to see it, but the smile was not bound by m such mere suggestions of physics. Most certainly, he agreed, like he had only been waiting for me to ask. Maybe he had been. He couldn't have missed Kakashi-sensei's campaign of avoidance either. It was a disconcerting feeling of being dragged along in someone else's body flicker, but we rolled from place to place with an enviable smoothness, like there was no difference between them at all, and then moved again, only to find Kakashi-sensei leaning casually against a tree and reading like we hadn't just gone on a high-speed chase to try and catch him. My eternal rival, Gai-sensei said. Your precious student wishes to speak with you. Kakashi-sensei didn't look up from his book. Is that so? he asked, voice inflectionless. I leaned sideways, no longer even holding on. I could probably get down now, but I felt like I could use the extra height. This might go better if we were at eye level. Kakashi-sensei, I said. He still didn't look up. Sensei, I tried again. Still nothing. I reached out, put one palm on either side of his face, and lifted it. Dinner at my house tonight, six o'clock. Don't be late, I said. Kakashi-sensei blinked at me, like that wasn't what he'd expected me to say. Honestly, it hadn't been what I'd intended to say, but I could absolutely understand I don't want to talk about it when it was shouted in my face, and had the sneaking suspicion that even thank you would be going too far here. I wiggled his face up and down, making him nod. Yes, Chikako-chan, I will be there, I said for him. He disengaged my hands, but gently. I'll think about it, he said vaguely, then made an excuse and vanished. I sighed. Gai-sensei coughed, politely, like he was interrupting something. My eternal rival has a peculiar stance on punctuality, he said, and a challenge such as the one issued only increases the chances he will, in fact, be late. I righted myself, so I wasn't hanging out over empty air. I know, I said, but in order to be late, he has to show up in the first place, and that's really all I want. Gai-sensei laughed, and it had a different tone to it almost startled. A canny plan indeed. We went back to the gate and were dismissed with the rest of the crowd. Tsunade reminded us to update our IDs for our new ranks in the next few days. We'd been let in on her authority, but our cards would definitely need to be correct before the next time we left the village. Gai-sensei finally put me down. How nice it is to return to Konoha, he declared loudly. We are safely home and I might have been annoyed at having to be carried the whole way back, but I could still appreciate when people had gone out of their way to help me. Thank you, Gai-sensei, I said solemnly, facing him and rising up on my tippy-toes so that I could press a kiss to his cheek. You're the best. He burst into very dramatic tears of thanks, and I slipped away into the crowd. Shikako, out. Ten-ten, having rescued herself from Lee, pointed a finger straight at my forehead. No, she said firmly. I blinked at her. What? He was carrying me for three days. We bonded. It had been inescapable. Literally. I know what happens to people who bond with Gai-sensei, she said, still stern. You're already wearing too much green. There isn't far to go. I laughed. Whatever you say. We split, probably all equally relieved to be going home. I walked with Eno, enjoying the quiet, enjoying the chance to walk and stretch and generally move about under my own power. You almost died, you know, Eno said, gazing down the road without really seeming to see it. Her tone was conversational, light, completely at odds with the weight of her words. I watched a sparrow take flight from a tree branch, swoop low across the grass in a graceful arc, and return with a worm clamped in its beak. 
I was trying not to think about that, I said. Besides, there's a lot of ground in an almost. Not this one, she said, and it was the first crack I had seen in her composure all week. It rippled through me like an earthquake, shaking loose the cracks of my own, shining light into dark corners where things were supposed to hide. Eno, I said, an edge of desperation leaking into my voice faster than I could block it out. I, I can't! I can't do this, I bit the words off, kept them behind my teeth and struggled not to say them. I can't do it, Eno. I couldn't. Couldn't talk about something like this without shining that light into darkness, revealing all those hidden and ugly places. Couldn't talk about I had nearly died without thinking about the truth of it. And it scared me. Of course it did. That was the heart of it, wasn't it? Fear like that was a wild animal. Something you had to circle around carefully. Had to approach from oblique angles. Edge your way closer while pretending you weren't. People pushed and pushed, and the animal only grew larger and angrier. More frightening and dangerous, because it was wild and it was scared and it wanted to defend itself. It needed to be calmed and gentled before it could be dealt with. Didn't she know how fragile my facade was? She had to know. She'd seen behind it more than once. Seen the cracks in it and how it shook and how paper-thin the confidence I had in it was. How stretched and how exhausted and how much energy it took to maintain the whole thing. She had to know. I didn't have the resources to reassure her. Not on this. I couldn't. It wasn't fair. Why did I always have to be the one that was strong? I swallowed the words down, bitter and chalky. Are you okay, Eno? I asked instead. Eno was a young girl, and she'd nearly had a friend die in her arms. If I took myself out of the equation, if it wasn't me, then... If it had been Sakura, then I would have helped her. Of course I would have. It was a terrifying thing, and it had upset her. She needed someone to ask if she was okay. Maybe Eno's facade was just as thin as mine. Maybe I'd been the one who hadn't seen. She had been happy and cheerful all the way home, friendly and engaging, and maybe that took all her effort. We hadn't had any privacy to talk about things like this, and it wasn't something you brought up in a group. Not these things. It wasn't fair, no, but nothing ever was. And I was the one that was strong, that helped them when they needed it, because I had chosen to be. I had picked up that burden, and now I had to carry it. I can't meant nothing. Are you okay? I asked again. There were no extra reserves of emotional energy waiting to be discovered here, but Eno deserved what I had left, what little pieces I could scrape together and give her. Not really, she said, eyes sad. But... I'm going to talk to my dad about it, okay? I felt a flash of relief, and then shame, because I shouldn't have been relieved that she didn't need me, but I was. I was relieved like it was a problem that I had avoided being dragged into. Okay, I parroted back to her, hoping she couldn't see it, couldn't see through me. And when I'm done, Eno went on, and her eyes were searching mine like she could, you could come and talk to me, if you wanted. Sure, I agreed, looking away. I raised my hand and bid her farewell, walking on towards home. Mum was the only one home, so while I greeted her warmly, I also didn't feel too bad about fleeing to my room to unpack and to the bathroom to shower forever. A week later, and I was still brushing sand out of my hair. These were the things no one ever warned you about. But it wasn't fair to be completely antisocial either, when I'd been gone so long. So afterwards, I took my notebooks and parked myself on the couch in the living room, instead of staying in my room. "'What are you working on?' Mom asked, spying the reams of paper I brought downstairs with me. "'It's a kind of magnifying glass for seals,' I said. "'Maybe a microscope?' There were a lot of seals I could have been working on. My air barrier had turned out to be total crap and needed to be reworked from scratch, for example.' But this was something that I could do inside without needing to test anything, and because it was still in the ideas phase. I'd only seen the expansion seal in use once, and while I'd been paying strict attention, it didn't give me a lot to go off of. Shikamaru was the first one to come home, calling out a lethargic Tadaima just after five. I sat up. Okaeri, I called back. 
He hung his vest up and touched the one that was already resting there. Mine. Congrats, he said with a small smile. I smiled back, a slowly dawning thing. And until right at that moment, I hadn't realized I was worried about his reaction. That it mattered, good or bad, what he thought about my promotion. That I'd wanted him to be happy about it, but had been worried he wouldn't be. That I hadn't truly known what he would say until he had said it. Thanks, I said, voice just a touch too low to be perfectly natural. I coughed, clearing it. Eno and Choji were also promoted, I went on brightly. Actually, all nine of us made it. Kurenai-sensei said that was probably a record. He looked briefly surprised. Sounds like it, he agreed, coming over to flop down next to me. He stretched, joints clicking. Was it different to the Konoha exams? A bit, I said, launching into an explanation of how it had all been set up. In turn, I learned that Shikamaru had spent the past few weeks working in the tower, mostly in the logistics and supply department. It was an interesting fit, but an important field to have a strong basis in if you were ever going to be ordering troops around on a large scale. Which wasn't to say that they were grooming Shikamaru to take over from Dad, but you'd have to be an idiot not to consider it. Sasuke arrived, and we were all sitting down to eat before Dad came home, which wasn't actually a good sign in terms of how his talk with Tsunade had gone. Dad! I scrambled away from the table and towards him. He caught me easily, lifting me into a hug with terrific ease. I peered over his shoulder at the person who had arrived with him. Kakashi-sensei, I admonished. You're late! I wiggled an arm free and tapped him on the nose. He drew back with the exact same huffy and offended expression that Akamaru would have worn. I couldn't stop the giggles, burying them into Dad's shoulder. Trouble, he sighed fondly at me. And I just desperately wanted to keep this moment, just freeze time here for a bit, just live in a second where all my people were here and happy, when we were warm and fed and unhurt, before the truth spilled out once more and darkness intruded with anger and arguments. But how did that poem go? Nothing gold can stay. I folded the moment up like it was a treasured photograph and tucked it away. It would keep. It would have always happened. I would always have it to look back on. Then I let go and stepped back. Food's getting cold, I said, focusing on the practical concerns. You should eat. Congratulations on your promotion, Dad said, setting me down. He stepped past the table and set a hand on Sasuke's shoulder as he went both of you. Who'd you fight? Shikamaru asked idly, because that wasn't something I had covered earlier. I'd mostly talked about the first two exams, because they were the ones that were different. A tournament was a tournament. Gata, I said, even though we'd had a couple of rounds. We both lost to Gata. Sasuke jabbed his chopsticks in my direction. I'd have done better if she hadn't screwed me over, he complained. I kind of did, I said, unable to deny it. But them's the breaks. Oh, Shikamaru said, looking interested. How so? Sasuke glanced at him, but appeared to decide that telling the story wasn't going to utterly humiliate himself. She turned the entire arena into a desert, he said. That's like the worst place to pick a fight with him. I didn't turn into a desert, I argued. Gara did, so don't say it like that. Gara did it when he was fighting you, Sasuke refuted. Your fault. You fought Gara? Shikamaru asked, sounding only mildly strangled. And you didn't forfeit? He was playing nice, I reassured him. I didn't even get so much as a graze. I bet he wished you were playing nice, Sasuke said. I didn't so much as graze him either, I said tartly in return. I was playing plenty nice. Like that had been a deliberate choice on my part and not simply because I couldn't. But whatever. But the conversation shifted onwards like I knew it was always going to. Or rather, it ground to a stuttering, teetering halt when Dad brought up the kidnapping. Not even in so many words, just a reference to the fact that Konoha was now in a bit of a tricky political situation. What? Mom asked, confused. Did something happen? Dad raised an eyebrow at me. Not quite admonition, but not far off either. I didn't want to have to say it twice, I explained, appetite gone but taking a bite of dinner so that I could look nonchalant. There was an attempted kidnapping near the end of the exam. 
The lack of information in the statement probably gave away more than it hid. Why not say the name if it were anyone else? Why not say Hidden Cloud tried to take Hinata? There was no reason. Who was it? Shikamaru asked flatly. Hidden Grass, I said, even though that wasn't what he was asking and I knew it. I didn't fool myself into thinking he didn't tuck the information away, though. Shikako! They tried to take me, I said, relenting, instead of trying to talk around the subject more. I got away, they didn't get far. The hidden grass pretended they were missing ninja and pretty much denied all knowledge of events. You got away? Shikamaru repeated, agitated. What does that even mean? He looked at Dad, then back to me, accusing. It means I blew his fucking head off. What do you think it means? I snapped. There was a brief startled pause. Wary. That was not a normal Chicago reaction. I breathed. Calm. Calm was good. It's fine, okay? I said, voice descending back into a normal range, throttling the inexplicable burst of anger. It had come out of nowhere. I hadn't been prepared for that. I got away. I got myself away. There's no need to get all upset about it. Shikamaru made a cut-off noise. No need to- Damn it, Shikako! You think this is about me being upset? I dimly noted that Kakashi-sensei was gone. There was a clean plate on the table, but absolutely no other evidence that he'd ever been here. Fine. Whatever. Sasuke looked horribly awkward, like he didn't want to be witnessing this. Me either. Shikako, Dad said, cutting into the argument before it could really take off. Your brothers just worry about you. Shikamaru, your sister made it home safely. Shouting at each other isn't going to change those facts. I simmered back down. I didn't want to argue. I hated arguing. And I really, really hated arguing with family. I felt awful now. A different kind of sick, twisting adrenaline to that from a normal fight. Yeah, well, Shikamaru said mulishly, leaning back in his seat. If it wasn't so- if it was so dangerous, maybe she shouldn't have gone in the first place. And that- that was it. It's not your choice, I exploded, standing up and sending my chair skidding backwards. My hand caught on my cup and knocked it clear off the table. It hit the floor and shattered. The moment trembled like a knife balanced on its edge. I could have come back from there. The tension could have unraveled, made us feel foolish and awkward, but it didn't. Well, maybe if you cared, I wouldn't have to, Shikamaru shot back, standing up himself. Life is dangerous, I screamed at him, voice cracking. It was all gone now, all boiling up, shaping itself into a weapon to be launched at him, to cut. You can do nothing and still die. I'm trying to keep us alive. What the hell do you want from me? You're trying, he shot back, not quite as uncontrolled as me, but just as pointed, just as sharp. Do you even really care? You're injured a hell of a lot for someone who's trying. My face twisted. My skin was white hot from the inside, like I was burning up with rage. I was lightheaded with it, emptied out, filled with light. My muscles were pulled tight, taut, and screaming. I jerked my plate aside, threw it to the ground just so it would smash. I wanted to break something, anything, just so it would be ruined. Stop it, Mum shouted. Shouted, what are you doing? Stop this right now. That's not how you talk to your family. Yoshino. Dad started, but she kept going, talking over him, talking over us. The sounds, the noise, it was too much. My teeth ground together, furious, futile anger. It had been cut off, built up, then stemmed, prevented from releasing. I wanted to throw things, to make something smash, to punch Shikamaru in his stupid fucking face, to shout and scream and say something that would really make him hurt, that wiggled through all his stupid arguments and hit him where it would wound. I was shaking with it, and and he just left, glared at me with the same impotent, balled-up frustration and stalked outside, slammed the door behind him, was gone. I muffled my screaming in my throat, kicked the chair aside with violence, only barely restrained and stomped jerkily into the living room, and then it crashed. I stood there, trembling, and my white-hot anger burnt out, taking everything with it and leaving behind only the ash of exhaustion. I was hollowed out, destroyed. Misery blooming in my chest and filling all the empty spaces. I collapsed onto the couch. Voices in the other room peaked and faded. I didn't care. There was the clicking of pottery shards being picked up, sweeping and mopping. The door opened and shut. Dad went outside. 
I didn't even care. Sasuke hovered in my vision. I flatly refused to track him, letting my eyes stay blurred and unfocused. I wasn't crying. There was nothing there. Nothing to cry with or about. Just nothing. Shikako, he said tentatively, then slightly more worried and panicked. Fingers touched my neck, counted the slow beats of my pulse. Yoshino-san! I still refused to move. The body was just a body. I was something else. Someone else. Somewhere else. Mom smoothed my hair back inside. She's just sulking, she said. Come on, dear. I'm sorry you had to see that. I'll pack you the leftovers to take home, okay? Sulking. Like that was all I was doing. Like it was that simple. Like everything hadn't been taken out of the world. All the color and meaning and reason. Like I had any reason to put forth the effort of pretending to be a person any longer. I stayed like that, still and listless, as time ran like watercolors around me, gone soft and blurry. Dad came back. I felt Shikamaru's chakra go upstairs, brushing past me. Bedtime, he suggested to me, like it mattered where I was. I didn't react, didn't care, couldn't be bothered. Eventually, when the house was dark and quiet, he picked me up and carried me upstairs like I was a child again. There had been days like this back at the beginning, when it had all been too much to be here and a child and alive and I had just gone quiet for a while. I didn't sleep, just lay there in that blank state, feeling the sleeping hum of my family's chakra, listening to the wind in the trees. Shikamaru woke and went downstairs. There was the click-click of lights being turned on. The pipes groaned as the kitchen tap dispensed water. He didn't come back up. I rolled the idea of going downstairs over in my head, of talking to him. Thought about it for a long, long time. Dad's chakra stirred in the room along the hall. He got up, went downstairs. No footsteps in the hallway to mark his passing. And beneath the layers and layers of apathy was a spark of curiosity. Maybe not even curiosity. Maybe suspicion. Maybe paranoia. I fed the smallest, barest trace of chakra into my ears. There was the click of shogi tiles on the board, too fast to be playing, so they were only just setting up. Dangerous, Dad was saying, voice mild. It was muffled, barely audible to me. They were taking reasonable precautions. She was feet away from a jonin. So they were talking about me. My stomach twisted, sour acid. I'm not... I wasn't blaming her, Shikamaru said. But it happened, and it always seems to happen to her, and she just doesn't care. There was a click. Shogi on wood. Do you really think that? Dad asked, non-judgmental. You heard her, Shikamaru said. No need to get upset. He sounded fairly upset for someone who had protested who wasn't. You're worried about her, Dad said. Of course I am, Shikamaru retorted immediately. And she's worried about you, Dad went on, like it was leading somewhere. Of course I was, I thought, with a kernel of irritation buried somewhere beneath a blanket of apathy. She doesn't care, Shikamaru said instead. His shogi piece clicked down with force. She's worried about you, Dad repeated patiently, and she doesn't want you to worry you more, so she pretends that none of it is important so you don't get worried. But it only makes you more so because you think she doesn't care, so she tries harder to convince you that it doesn't matter. The two of you are spiraling off of each other and only making the situation worse. There was a long silence. I turned his explanation over in my head. I couldn't fix what made Shikamaru upset, but I had been trying not to add to it, and it had just... never worked. Has she talked to you? Shikamaru asked suddenly. Dad was silent, considering. Sometimes, when you push, you only make things worse, he said. You have to let someone decide they need you first. She hasn't, Shikamaru deduced latching on to the only fact he cared about bitterly. She won't listen to me, but she'd have to listen to you if you told her not to go. I breathed, just in and out, in and out. Do you really think so, Shikamaru? Dad asked, still so, so calm. That if I gave an order, she would stop? She would have to, Shikamaru argued. She wouldn't have a choice. Yes, she would, Dad said gently and that choice would be listen or continue on without us. We would stop being support and become obstacles in her way, and that is not a choice that you want to force your sister to make. 
Why? Shikamaru asked, voice cracking. Maybe he saw it. Maybe he saw the choice that I would be forced to make in all its terrible glory. What's so important to her? Dad clicked the shogi piece down. I don't know, he said, but she's scared. Don't you see that? Shikamaru coughed, a wet sound, like he was trying not to cry. I don't want her to be scared, he said. I just want her to be safe. I stopped listening and rolled over to stare at my wall. There were photographs there, a haphazard collage of better days. It was a long night. I didn't actively avoid Shikamaru the next morning. I just didn't get up until after he'd left. Okay, I avoided him. Fine. I deserved one day off, didn't I? I spent the morning in my room, copying out a certain set of papers that I hadn't had the privacy to touch before, and on my registration paperwork. I took it to the tower, mutely handing it over to Uruka-sensei, where I spotted him behind the missions desk. He flicked through it, congratulating me on my promotion, and I summoned up enough grace and manners to murmur polite thanks to him. I think we have something for you, he said, slightly distracted. Just hold on a moment, would you? Maybe I didn't get a day off after all. I waited, watching the sky out the window. It's a request from the sensory squad, Iruka-sensei said, giving me a scroll. I blinked slowly at him. My understanding was like molasses, slow and viscous. The sensory squad? The name was a little misleading. The sensory squad wasn't a squad, meaning a ninja team. It wasn't even a division or department. It was more like... A registrar of shinobi with particular extra or super sensory abilities. It mostly existed to track and train particular abilities so that when a mission put in a request for a sensor or a tracker of some kind, someone knew who to send. I think they're doing the testing of a new crop of chunin, Iruka sensei explained. Teammate has all been requested, and Ino and Sasuke as well, he smiled. It's a year of talent. It made sense. I checked the scroll, which had a meeting time set for later that afternoon. Great. Thank you, Iruka-sensei, I said, forcing a smile onto my lips. Uh, did you need help with anything? I could take messages. It was a weak gambit, anyway. I was mostly relieved when he brushed me off. I couldn't just walk up to Tsunade's office and hand her the folder I'd received from Gata. As a new tuning, I'd just never get that far. And if I tried to make an appointment, I'd be asked why. Which, classified intelligence, I couldn't say why. I could always give it to Dad at home, but I was... reluctant. I wanted home to be home. I wanted to keep a little bit of separation where I could, so that I could have somewhere to go when I wanted to leave things behind. Still, unless things drastically changed now that I was a tuning, I sort of expected I would see her before too long. I picked up takeaways for lunch and went to Sasuke's house. He opened the door, face falling into an expression of relief. Hey, he said, stepping back to let me inside. His mission pack was open, stuff spilled out onto the floor and clearly in the process of being cleaned and organized. I stepped over a pile of laundry and shuffled off my shoes. You okay? Fine, I said, setting the food down on the table. Did you get a request from the sensory squad for this afternoon? He was still watching me, but grabbed two sets of chopsticks out of a kitchen drawer. Yeah, doesn't sound like it's much, he shrugged. More training, I guess. We kicked around until it was time, then headed over to the training fields. Team 8 was already there, with Neji and, surprisingly, Lee. Really? I squinted at him, but didn't ask. Ino arrived shortly after us. Shortly before, Tsume Inuzuka strolled into the training field with three chunin at her back. Tsume was the uncontested head of the sensory squad, as well as Konoha's tracking team, on top of running the Inuzuka clan, the Inuzuka clinic, and raising two kids by herself. I had no idea how she ever found the time. All right, brats, she said, then paused and looked at Lee. Why are you here? Lee stepped forward, face eager and eyes bright. Please, allow me to take your test, he said with marked enthusiasm. Neji gave the stoic impression of being completely embarrassed by him. Sume stared. 
Do you have any notable supersensory abilities? She asked. No, Lee said. I do not. There was a series of exchanged looks. Okay, fine, Tsume said, shaking her head in bemusement. Test away. Let's see how you do. Now, where were we? She took a clipboard from one of her assistants. All right, brats. You're all, except him, listed as having abilities or blood limits that qualify you for the sensory squad. We're going to run you through a battery of testing, covering all bases, to see if we can quantify and qualify what those abilities are. She broke us up into three rough groups, with Sasuke and the Hyuga into one, Shino, Ino, and I into another, and Kiba and Lee into the third. Sort of ability-based, if you thought about it broadly. Sumi put herself in charge of ours, then she smirked at me. It was honestly a little intimidating. Well, let's see if you're half as good as the Hatake brat has been trying to convince me you are. The testing was alternatively easy and completely fucking impossible. The chakra sensing stuff was no problem. I could breeze through it in my sleep. But when Sume said all bases, she really meant it. Because she put us through the same kind of scent tracking stuff the other Chunin were running Kiba through. I could barely smell a flower if you stuck it under my face on a good day. Scent was not a sense I had anything extra in. It just was not going to work. Or the hearing tests. Or the sight tests. Some of them I, I did okay in, because it was really hard to cancel out the sense crossover for chakra sensing, but it was obvious what was going on. I knew where a person was, not because I could see them, but because I could sense them, unless they were really good at hiding their chakra, or I was otherwise really distracted. The three of us had a bit of a competitive edge to the testing. Ino did better than me at some, and worse than me at others, and Shino used completely different methods to get the same results. But it was interesting to watch them in action, to find out the kind of things that they could do. Hell, I managed to find out new things I could do, which surprised me. Kuromaru hit a ball somewhere in the training field, Sume said, splitting us up individually to different fields for one of the tracking tasks. Find it. I could find where Kuromaru was right now, but that was less than useless because we wanted to know where he had been, which was what scent tracking was perfect for. Not just spatial locations, but temporal ones. The Hyuga would be able to find it with their Byakugan, but I didn't have that either. I closed my eyes and focused, listened to the chakra, felt Kuromaru, where he was now, what his chakra was, felt the other chakra of all the other ninja moving about, felt residual dissipating energy from whoever had used the training field before us. There'd been an earth jutsu raised over there, and it was still disintegrating slowly breathed and listened and sorted through as many impressions as I could, identifying and cataloging them, like trying to sort through a desert with a tea strainer. But maybe? I made a wobbling, vague line into the trees and walked up one. Wedged in the branches, there was a bright red ball. It wasn't hidden, really, but I wouldn't have just seen it either. Sume didn't exactly look impressed, but there was something that might have been surprised. He used chakra to climb the tree, I said, just short of triumphant. It sank into the bark. I guess the ball would be nearby. Not foolproof, clearly. He could have jumped, or it could have been a false trail, or other things. But I'd managed to track down residual low-level chakra emissions, so I was feeling pretty damn pleased with myself. It was late when we were finished, after a few solid hours of exertion, but it was a good kind of exertion, of challenges to be faced and overcome. A test where failure in some areas was expected and unavoidable. Not bad, Sume said, going over the results. I'm almost impressed. Rock Lee? That was a solid attempt. The best results I've seen from a shinobi with no explicit abilities or training in any of these areas. You've got solid tuning level perception. You're dismissed. Which might have felt like a bit of a brush off. But he had just completed a very specialized testing while being completely unqualified for it, so it was actually pretty good. He seemed happy enough with the results anyway, giving profuse thanks. Sume shook her head. The rest of you can come with me. We'll sort the details out at the tower. Which meant paperwork. I wasn't wrong. There was a lot of very complicated and very involved paperwork involved with it in order to record an accurate summation of abilities. Also very classified, because... It was an accurate summation of abilities.
We had a whole room reserved to ourselves while we did it, and the sensory squad ninja helpfully walked us step by step through which boxes to tick or not. What? Tsume said unhappily, when one of the tower ninjas scurried up to her with a folder. What do you mean, reserved? I ticked another box and tried not to look like I was obviously listening in. Kiba smirked at me from across the table. Yeah, okay, we were all listening in. Okay, fine, she barked. You lot keep filling that in. Nada, you're with me. I scrambled out of my seat obediently. Okay, I offered. Not what I'd expected. You're in trouble, Kiba sing-songed under his breath. His mother slapped him around the ears with the file. I caught sight of my name on it. Bring your paperwork, she said. We have to go and fight research and development. I blinked, bemused. Okay, I repeated, no more enlightened, and I hoped she wasn't serious. Tsume Inuzuka seemed somehow wilder in the halls of the tower than she had in the forests and training fields. She was more noticeable as she strode through the halls, lipstick smirk firmly in place and spiky hair swishing around her face. People got out of her way. I scampered along behind her, having basically no idea what was going on. We wound through the corridors until we reached a particular set of offices. The first door opened into a nearly empty open plan office with a few more secure rooms around the sides. There was a barred door plastered with no entry notices towards the end, but Sume barreled onwards and wrapped her knuckles roughly against the largest of the rooms. Oi, Tamashiro, she barked. What's the big idea? The man inside looked up from his desk, puzzled but not surprised, vaguely irritated. Inuzuka, are you lost? Perhaps you'd like us to build you something that can do your job better than you. Ooh. Without moving, I tried to discreetly shuffle even further behind Sume. You could try for a hundred years and you wouldn't even get close, she shot back and slapped the file down on his desk. The paper ruffled with the displaced air, a few sad pieces drifting to the floor. His face tightened in annoyance. He picked up the file, flickered through it. Yes, a promising recruit, and... And, Sume barked, she's my recruit, prime center material. This, she jabbed at something on the paper, has no meaning. Censor, he repeated indignantly. She's trained in seals by Jiraiya. That's far more important. Think of the things she could create. Ah, well, now I saw it. And this was not something I wanted to be in the middle of, or something I wanted to be happening at all. She can sense our old chakra emissions. Do you have any idea what the tracking team could do with that? Sume countered, looming over the desk. Tamashiro made a dismissive noise. We put in the request first. Sume looked disdainful. There is no first-come-first-served rule as regards to shinobi. It depends on the best fit of their abilities. Which is here, Tamashiro said. Which is in the sensory squad, she corrected. They glared at each other. I pretended that I was part of the wall and unnoticeable. Take it up with the Hokage, Tamashiro suggested, looking away, but with the air of someone who thought he'd won the war despite surrendering the battle. Sume snatched the folder back. Fine, she said. I will. She spun, put a hand between my shoulders, and shoved me gently out the door. Tamashiro scrambled out from behind his desk. What? He trailed after us, going from confident to slightly worried as Tsume rolled on right up to the Hokage's office like a steamroller. What is it? Tsunade barked after the secretary had given us the go-ahead to enter. I'd like to go home at some point, too. Apologies, Tamashiro said, bowing nervously. It's, it's only that. Tsume shoved me into the room, hand still on the neck of my jacket. I felt rather like a naughty puppy, and I hadn't even done anything wrong. Tsunade looked at me and sighed. Okay, what is it? I'm signing her into the sensory squad, Tsume said bluntly. She's nearly as good a sensor as Tombo. Tamashiro squawked. She belongs in R&D, he protested, though to Tsume and not to the Hokage. We claimed her first. And then they started talking over each other, each presenting reasons why Tsunade should listen to them. Tsunade looked steadily less impressed, and she hadn't started off very happy. Enough, she cut in. For pity's sake, Nada, just pick one. Tsume smoothed my jacket collar out, motherly. We're prepared to offer you a special joning position, she said. I blinked, taking it back. 
That was completely and totally unexpected. Tomoshiro spluttered and looked at the Hokage like she would call it cheating. Thank you, Tsume-sama, I said. I'd be honored to become part of the sensory squad. And then, because I didn't really want to make enemies, I nodded at the man who was probably the head of R&D. Thank you, sir, but I'm already part of the Nada R&D. It would be a conflict of interest. He waved that off, grumbling that I wasn't the only one who would have been in both, but didn't challenge the conclusion. Thankfully, I felt like I had very narrowly avoided a terrible thing. R&D was most adamantly not field shinobi. Research and development. And fine, I liked research. I did a lot of it, but only because it helped further my abilities where I needed them. I didn't want to be stuck in the office all the time, working to someone else's schedule. And it would have been much, much harder to decline if Tsume hadn't stood here and said she wanted me instead. Even without the promotion, I would have picked the sensory squad. The promotion was just a bonus. Sort of. Special Joni was an odd position. It meant you were an expert, or THE expert in some cases, in a particular field. It was clearly and undeniably above Chunin. And yet, it was so much harder to make the jump from Special Jonin to Jonin than it was for a skilled shinobi to go from Chunin to Jonin. It was a dead end, almost. You got pigeonholed, and it was really hard to move out of. You'd have to show Jonin-class skills in a lot of fields that were very disparate to your original specialization in order to even be considered for Jonin. But I didn't consider sensing to be my greatest skill. I'd have been much, much warier about taking a promotion in sealing. Congratulations, Tsunade said dryly. That might be one of the fastest promotion turnarounds I've seen. I bowed. Thank you, Tsunade-sama. Um, could I have a word with you? I nearly cringed at asking, but this was the nearest thing to a perfect opportunity that I was going to get, really. She waved Tsume off, who told me to meet her back downstairs when I was done. The door shut with finality behind her. My stomach swooped, low and full of nerves. If this went wrong, I could be in a whole lot of trouble. But I had to do it. This wasn't something I could sit on. I'd always promised myself that when I had actual, solid, confirmable evidence, I would act on it. And if I didn't, then I'd been lying to myself, and I'd been lying about why I'd never acted on other things. And I couldn't. Tsunade leaned back in her chair and observed me. That was equally nerve-wracking in its own way. This had been a hell of a day. I rolled the sleeve of my jacket up. Um, it's a storage seal, I said, tilting my arm so she could see it and confirm. It would be really rude, and, you know, possibly threatening, to activate a seal without some kind of acknowledgement. She nodded. I pressed chakra into it and withdrew the file. I put it down on her desk and withdrew, stepping back into attention. My fingers clasped behind my bass back so they wouldn't fidget or tremble. My eyes stared out at the village over her shoulder. She opened the file. She closed the file. And what, the Hokage said, is this? I coughed, clearing my throat. Jiraiya-sama, my voice still wobbled alarmingly. I tried again. Jiraiya-sama was looking into them for Naruto. He was, she agreed which didn't seem to agree that that meant I should also have been. And where did you get it from? My palms were cold and wet with sweat. An informant? I tried. She sighed and rubbed her temples with one hand, the other still pinning the file flat to the desk. Did you know, she said, tone measured and even, I received a hawk from Hidden Sand today. They've elected a new Kazekage. Do you know who it might be? Gara? I offered, about 90% sure that I was right. Mostly. Something might have gone wrong. But she nodded. Gara of the desert is the fifth Kazekage. So, I'm not going to ask where you got this. I want to maintain a small smidgen of plausible deniability. Which made sense. If Konoha was asking for and being denied this information through diplomatic channels, it would look very strange that we had it anyway, and it was easy to work out where I had got it because I'd only been in contact with three hidden sand ninja. If it wasn't the Kazekage, then it was the Kazekage's siblings. Any of those options could be really bad. 
But I am going to ask you three questions, she went on. My stomach went back to swooping. I linked my fingers together even tighter. Did you promise anything in return for this information, she asked. No, I said, utterly relieved that I could answer that question. What did you say to get this information? I swallowed. I said, I started, I said that it would help Naruto, that he was a threat to Naruto, specifically because Naruto was a Jinchuriki. It wasn't a lie, but even then it was verging on the limit of the things in which I should have shared with an ally. But the information was, conversely, more trustworthy because it wasn't free. It had been paid for with a warning and given in gratitude as well as friendship. And if Tsunade thought that it had been bargained rather than a gift unlooked for, well... Have you shown anyone this information? No, I said, relieved to move on. If I couldn't give it to you, I was going to give it to Dad, or Kakashi-sensei. I thought they would both know. Kakashi-sensei did, I knew, because he'd been the one that Jiraiya had been telling in the first place. Dad was a Jonin commander, and both had better reason to be bringing it to Tsunade's attention than I did. I just hadn't wanted to have this conversation with them. If they were disappointed, it would have hurt more. She was silent for a long, long moment. I watched the sun go down over the village. If you're going to do this, Tsunade said, breaking the spell, you're going to learn to do it properly. I'm assigning you to the intelligence division for a three-month rotation, on top of whatever duties you have for the sensory squad. Maybe it'll keep you out of trouble if you're busy. I bowed, muscles weak with sudden relief. Thank you, Hokage-sama, I said fervently. She huffed, sounding more amused than before. And Hatake said that Naruto was Konoha's most surprising ninja. I'm not even close, Hokage-sama, I assured her.